Welcome back to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. Or I should say, Wagwan. As this week, we continue our two-part special with Leroy Logan, MBE, and his chosen phrase, We Little But We Talawa. Leroy Logan is a veteran of the London Police Service and vocal advocate of the Black Lives Matter movement. Born in London to Jamaican parents, Logan has had an impressive career with the London police and fought racism from within. He may have used the phrase Willikul Batwitalawa after his exceptional achievement of safely managing millions during the London 2012 Olympics, or even to celebrate both the UK's and Jamaica's victories in the Games. Perhaps John Boyega uttered the phrase after recently winning a Golden Globe for portraying Logan in Red, White and Blue. The expression, we little but we talawa, shows Jamaica as a whole pays close attention to how they are seen by the rest of the world. They understand they are not the biggest in terms of landmass or population, but they find strength in standing united and believing in themselves. Something we can all take inspiration from when we find ourselves in the spotlight with the odds stacked against us. Last week, we discussed Jamaica's history and how it has been colonized by the British and Spanish, but still fought against their oppressors, eventually becoming an independent state, but still part of the Commonwealth. Jamaica's history has greatly influenced the culture and language of the island, although many of the inhabitants now speak standard English, another unique language was formed. Jamaican Patois, an English-based Creole language with West African influences, is the common tongue in Jamaica, and the language, we little but we talawa, is written in. Here is a familiar voice speaking Patois. Greetings, massive. Wagwan, Jamaica. That was, of course, Barack Obama speaking during an official visit to Jamaica. Speaking the language of your host is always a great sign of respect, no matter how bad your accent might be. A native language is the mother tongue, part of your heritage, and something to be celebrated and, of course, spoken. An excellent specification of our mantra is found in the actor, radio personality, folklorist and icon of Caribbean culture, Louise Bennett Coverley, affectionately known as Miss Lou. Miss Lou became a positive presence in Jamaica and Caribbean literature by defying customs and writing her poetry, novels and plays in patois, not standard English. By challenging the expectation that Caribbean authors should write in the language of their colonizers, Miss Lou created work that was not only engaging, but demonstrated the strong will and determination of her small island. The strength of character is not unlike how Leroy Logan was able to join and improve the police, those responsible for his father's brutal beating, instead of holding hatred in his heart. Here is Miss Lou, the first lady of Jamaican comedy, speaking on the origins of her nation's language. And we have a whole lot of wonderful heritage, songs and stories and proverbs and all kinds of nice things. And our language, of course, the basic thing is the language, which we have been talking for 300 years. <laughs> yes, my dear. And my aunt, she said she don't like 
Nobody can say I know language at all at all. She vexed, you know. About the whole rhythm of the language, my child. You see, it's because all this folklore and this culture that we have come from all the different people who have lived in the country, you know, and we just use it. And now we have our, a real West Indian, a real Jamaican culture. For my auntie wrote to say, when the Asian culture and the European culture broke up an African culture in the Caribbean people, we stir them up and blend them to a flavor. We shake them up and move them to a beat. We wheel them and we turn them and we rock them and we sound them and we temper them and locks the rhythm sweet. <laughs> yeah. Yes, my dear. So then we, we don't need to shame at the things we have at all at all. Like my auntie would say, she vex any time she hear any people I, I, I come style for me Jamaica language as corruption of the English language. You ever hear anything also? Aunt Georgia said she don't know what make them not call the English language corruption of the Norman, French or the Greek and the Latin where them say English is derived from. <laughs> oh no, hear the word? English derive, but Jamaica corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> no, master, not in Agosso. <laughs> we, co we, 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 we don't corrupt uh, and, and them derive. We derive too. <laughs> hey, Jamaica derive. <laughs> we derive. And let me tell you, man, we derive from, uh, from the English, we derive from, 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 from Portuguese, from Spanish and all them singing, all the people who was there, and pan top of it, the, the basic thing that we derive from is African and Kuya Pupa. What Miss Lou was saying there was that Jamaican Patois is derived from a whole host of languages due to the many nations that have colonized the small island. Another range of colonization on the island is a range of skin tones throughout the community. We might say a majority of Jamaicans are black because they are not white, Hispanic or Asian. However, there is a greater significance of the specific shade of your skin. Colorism is an ever-present issue in Jamaican communities and those with darker skin are subject to worse treatment than those with lighter skin and white people are usually the wealthiest on the island. Colorism, like racism, can affect whether you are given a job or even who you marry. It's terrible that this discrimination exists in a nation whose official motto is out of many, one people. Although these issues are rife throughout the world, we have seen black celebrities such as Michael Jackson, Sammy Sosa and Nicki Minaj using makeup and even cosmetic surgery to appear lighter in skin tone. And of course, the controversy of Meghan Markle joining the royal family is still entirely relevant. Due to inequality and injustice throughout history, white people have been placed on a pedestal and now have the power and influence of mainstream culture to dictate what is and what is not beautiful. Country that you must define beauty for black people. Now that's black power. Yeah. Yeah. Ask you something: Is beauty defined as someone with a narrow nose, thin lips, white skin? Mm -mm. Hell no. Hell no. Cause you ain't got none of that. Okay. Our lips are thick. Our nose is broad, our hair is nappy, we are black and we are beautiful. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
being a minority can feel like a small island isolated in a sea of discrimination and surrounded by bigger and stronger forces intent on suppressing you and your identity. If you ever feel like this, remember we little but we taloa and that you will always have brothers and sisters to stand by you in solidarity. Many of you considered this week's metaphor, we little but we talawa, a little different, as it took some of our listeners back to their roots and at the same time instilled pride. Here's the second part of Leroy Logan's interview. So for me, it's, it's, it's been amazing how so many people have back to me so it has been life-changing I suppose there's a sense of validation as well mm-hmm. that you sometimes are doing things and you think well actually other than people in my immediate sphere of influence I get their feedback but what's happening out there do, do they do people really understand me uh, or what I'm trying to do and so I've been really encouraged by that and, and it's shown itself in so many different ways mm-hmm. and I would like to think that will continue because I'm not going anywhere, I'm still going to be um, in the struggle as an activist and an advocate. So my my sense of service has not stopped. I might not be a police officer, but I'm still a member of the black community. Because I always said, even before I joined the Met, I'm a black man who happens to be a cop. Because here I'm in retirement, I'm still a black man. Well, I actually provided a few of my friends who used to live in England, but now live out of England. Um, I gave them a gift of uh, an Amazon subscription, uh, particularly to see your story, because it, some of my school friends who I haven't seen for years, we keep in touch online, and I sent them the links. Most of them, you know, a lot of them were on Amazon already. My dad, I, I sent him the link because he's on Amazon. And I said to him, he, he said to me that the first time he watched it, he was like crying. He was crying on the inside and on the outside. And um, we are now actually arranging to do a watch party, uh, which uh, I think that's going to be a wonderful, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, in a way I'm not, but I think that it's going to be really good because it's a discussion point. Uh, to watch it together from all over the world because we've had those experiences. So I want to thank you um, for for your book. And as you said, the timing was right for everything else that's coming up along the way for you. But one thing that does uh, concern me um, as a young mother, when my son was growing up, and even now I hear it with my, you know, my grandson, I'm concerned. What is the best way, would you say, to have conversations uh, with the police on the beat, on you, when you're outside, if you're stopped and approached, especially the young black men, I've said to my, my son sometimes, I said, oh, please don't put your hoodie on because you're stereotyped. And he says, oh, mom, come on, it's fashion. And I said, well, you know, if you're stopped for any way because you, because he has been stopped a few times because he just, he fit the profile of something or somebody or something has happened. And when he tells me how he responds, I said, no, don't respond like that, you know? And he says, oh, mom, you know, you want to sugarcoat things, but that if they treat us like this, you know, why shouldn't we? You know, but he's, you know, he's, he's older now and he's, his uh, viewpoint is different, but I'm sure that there are people like me, my grandson is only 10, but I'm worried as he gets older. What would you advise would be the best way for uh, black 
children, black youth, or anyone really, I suppose, uh, being stopped by the police now? What is the best way to deal with that? Well, first let me say, um, you don't look old enough to have a 10-year-old grandchild. Oh, so. I have a 16-year-old uh, granddaughter as well. 16. Mm. Oh, well. So, worried. Well. Especially I mean, I've, got grand I've got grandchildren, but uh, they're much younger. My, my grandson is six. My two granddaughters are both three. Um, and they're a joy, yeah, aren't they? And you do worry when they get older. Well, I, I mean, uh, that's why I'm still an activist and an advocate for change, because it's based on um, when we set up the Black Police Association, we, we realised that we don't want to be seen as just being self-serving for internal issues. We also have to have an external focus around the plight of our people in the community and build bridges and not barriers. So we set up the uh, charitable arm of the Black Police Association in, in 1998, a few years after our launch in 94. And we realized we had to set, we have to set a project up around building links with the community. And out of that um, community engagement pro program, we developed a leadership program for year nine students so that they know their rights and responsibilities and how to interact with police so one of the things we we used to tell them till this very day is when you're getting stopped by police don't play up if, especially you know it's an embarrassing thing it, it is can be very uh, demeaning but to try and keep it's calm and collective especially you've got nothing to hide and you'd only be delayed um, beyond the time it takes. Because if you if you play up and you start to be sarcastic, that, that officer will normally reciprocate. And don't you know react to their sarcasm. Just play it professional and, and keep your observations clear. And and so we we still do talk them through a mnemonic called Go Wise. And and, and go the, the the letter G stands for what the officer's grounds. What's the grounds for you to be stopped? Try and find out from the officer why he or she wants to speak to you. So what's the grounds? What's the information? Is it CCTV? Is it some previous intelligence? Is it a member of the public has pointed them out? Whatever it is. And then O of GO is the objective. What they're looking for. Is it stolen property is it weapons that it might be carrying is it drugs whatever it may be so find out through the conversation in a respectful way because that normally is reciprocated so it's go of go and then wise w is the officer should show his one card whether he or she is in uniform or not i is the identity the name and we even encourage the young person to know if the officer's got a number and letters on their epaulets on their shoulder. So that again can identify the officer if, if the officer doesn't want to give their name, but which they should. S of wise is the station attached. And E is the entitlement to the stop slip because a lot of officers um, give stops um, and search slips, but some don't and and it's a good way of finding out especially after the fact 
why the officer stopped you, what powers did he or she use, and if you felt agreed, the process of complaining. So, but now, even if you want to complain, you can go straight on the Met Police website or even the Independent Office for Police Conduct, the IOPC website. It takes 20 minutes. So at least they have a sense of control of understanding to observe what's going on. And hopefully that interaction is as pain-free as possible. As I said, I know it's, I've been stopped and searched myself and um, long before I joined the police, during the Suslaw days, and since I've been retired. So, you know, I, I know how embarrassing it can be, but we, we try and instill that agenda A of being appropriate and objective and professional as possible. So those are sort of things we, we, we let the young person know that they actually know more about why officers do certain things and hopefully officers can learn from the young people as well. So we, we have that sort of cross-fertilization of dialogue to see what a good stop is, what a bad stop is. We officers show sarcasm or don't give a stop slip or in any way are disrespectful. So it helps. And, and we've been doing that for the last 20 years. And our leadership program is called Young Leaders for Safer Cities. It's a BTEC level two for year nine students who um, actually get UCAS points before they go on to do the GCSEs in year 10. And, and we are one of the few black run charities that actually deliver that sort of accredited program that's is seamless with the national curriculum as well. So we, we realize that black parents have to have certain conversations with their children. So that's why we structured it. I wish we were able to be as wide across London as we used to be when we first started. But as an independent charity, we've all been subject to austerity and spending cuts. So the fact that we still exist and we're still delivering the program and other initiatives to help young people to know they can change their environment and not become a victim of it. Thank you, Louis. Now, I know that you are a very spiritual person. Did you have a particular prayer that got you through everything or something that you recite or I wouldn't say recite, you, you pray for um, daily? Is it something that you could share with us, please? Um, well, that's called me out. Daily prayer. Um, well, I, I suppose it, it's uh, really ask, asking for wisdom in all that I'm doing and that it's not about self-promotion but it's actually to advance God's kingdom especially when I realize that when you walk in corridors of, of power whether it's in the home office or the cabinet office wherever it may be you had to speak truth to power in a way that it's not self-serving it's for the greater good so having that wisdom especially when you could easily feel a sense of arrogance and um, you know being self-serving as I said it, 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 it I, I call on the wisdom and God's grace to just give me that opportunity to serve him and to be salt and light 
and to ensure that he guides me because he guides the footsteps of the righteous. So I, I was always praying for him to keep my path straight and know that where he, he places me, I'm not alone. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the holy nation, uh, a royal priesthood. So anytime I'm, I'm going into a meeting or any sort of event, operational, tactical, incident, I'm asking the Lord just to guide my thinking, guide my my leadership, my ethical standards, my integrity, because I'm his servant. Because police officers are shown in the Beatitudes as being peacemakers and, and blessed are the peacemakers because we are sons and daughters of God. So that for me was really important. That officers realize the importance of the role they have as sworn officers and ensuring that we can't be complicit by our silence. We need to hold people to account, especially as officers with a real supervisory role. And it's not about popularity because when you just challenge people, they don't like it. And as a result of that, you, can't just be worrying about popularity. You have to be authentic and objective. So those are the sort of prayers I've always um, led to, you know, be consistent in everything that I do. And, you know, prayer walks are very important. So, you know, I just want to know that I've done the best I can and, and give me the wisdom to know of the things I can change. And, and the courage to know things like change and, you know, and the things that I can't, you know, just be wise to that. In a lot of ways, it's like the serenity prayer that I, I know Catholic um, followers um, pray about. And, and I think that's, that for me is really important to, to tap into that spiritual side. And I think it's just as important as our physical and mental um, well, Lewis, thank you so much for sharing your prayer with us, for sharing your your life, uh, not only as a police officer, but of course as an activist and your family. Um, it's been a very interesting and engaging interview for me. Um, it's, um, I'm happy that you are, have uh, brought these things out uh, for the attention. And I have a feeling that, um, you know, your involvement now is going to be the start of something good and new and different. And um, I'm really glad that you're still very, you know, active. You haven't just, you haven't just written a book and then put it, in, put it on the shelves, that you're doing more with it and you're doing more about it. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, as I said, you know, I, I think in a lot of ways, um, the Lord's put me in this position to do something about it. So um, I'm going back into schools, not just under the Young Leaders for Safer Cities program for year nine. So I want to go even younger, maybe year six, primary school. So we just developed a, uh, a video, a short video from Red, White and Blue uh, with the BBC 
the BBC Teach section. They've done a video on each of those five episodes. And my one, um, obviously, is addressing a lot of the institutional racism and systemic failures, but also for young people to know the history of how these divides were created and how they can learn from that. So uh, I'm going into, hopefully, later in the year, going into primary schools to help. And, and, and you can easily access it on uh, the BBC website. As I said, BBC Teach and the Small Act series, you'll see all five videos. Um, and also, I'm doing some work around the trauma that's um, inflicted on people who are subject to very aggressive stop and search, especially the excessive use of handcuffs and, and tasers. And so I, I'm doing a program with uh, a major university. I can't say which one yet, yeah. just going through the ethics uh, and funding applications. And I'm hoping in the first quarter of this year, 2021, we will be delivering a qualitative assessment of the trauma you know, impacting on young people subject to stop and search or any other police power. You know, I'm so I'm so glad that you sorry. We'll have something later in the year. I'm so glad that you've said that because I think that it's not just a case of bringing this to young people and to the people in the schools and universities that are teaching people. I think that something like that will open the doors for young people to talk to their families, to find out their experiences, you know, and talk about what they've learned in their place of learning and come home and have a conversation about it. And I think maybe the younger person will then appreciate more the life that they have now because their parents had to go through certain things and perhaps will then listen when their parents say, this is the way now to conduct yourself, to, you know, be more respectable and responsible member of society. So Leroy, thank you so much for your time. We spoke longer than I thought we would, but it was all engaging. Um, and I, I wish you all the best. You know, I, I follow you. I will continue following you. And um, I will participate as much as I can in anything that you do, because I so believe that as a society, we must stay together and support each other. If we don't support each other and share the news and spread it, uh, we're not going to get anywhere. So thank you so much. No worries. Uh, if anyone wants to um, sort of uh, get in touch, they can easily get on my website. My initials, ll at leroylogan.com. So ll at leroylogan.com. You'll see um, all the work that I'm doing. And also, um, I'm, you can easily get onto my Twitter account, leroylogan999. I'm still institutionalized in some way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn under my name. Um, Instagram, leroylogan99. Uh, I dropped a nine on that one, but um, you know I'm, I'm I'm out there on social media. So if people want to get in touch in some way, I, I really welcome it. And also, of course, they just have to put your name in on the website on the um, Google, and everything about you will come up. And also, I must say congratulations um, on your MBE. Uh, and um, I know that you will uh, put it to good use. Although you've actually done the work, that's why you've got it. Yeah. But congratulations. Oh, yeah. 21 years ago in, in 2000. So, yeah, I've, I've really put it to good use and, and the struggle continues. So I, I, I even got a Wikipedia page. I'm, out of the blue, it just turned up. I got some 
uh, a link saying you're, you're on Wikipedia. So I thought it was good, good, good um, acknowledgement of Wikipedia is on their twentieth year anniversary, and to get a page up there. I mean, I've, I've been involved in this issue since the McPherson inquiry in '98, giving evidence say that the police service was introduced racist. So, you know, I've been around a long time. So it was nice to get a Wikipedia page. So again, that's a source of information on what I'm doing. Well, you know, um, no disrespect to all the other members who have been awarded MBEs. Um, I respect them truly. But I think that for you to have received yours 21 years ago, that was a harder feat to get that sort of recognition as it is now, because we have, um, ways of, you know, getting onto the Queen's Honours list. We know how to get there or how we can nominate. Whereas in those days, I mean, that was a very, very hard feat. So I will continue to say yeah. congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, again, I, I know that was only God, you know, that, that and the way in which it um, um, came about. So, and again, it's in the book and, and you, you'll see that uh, again. I, I that. Yeah. And the timing of it, because on receiving the MBE in 2000, both my mother and father were dead within two years. So I'm glad I accepted it on their behalf from coming over in a, uh, a boat soon after Windrush and then to Buckingham Palace. And that's what I called it, from the boat to Buckingham Palace and how um, they allowed me to stand strong on their shoulders to achieve that accolade. And I was glad that they were still alive and, and with me at Buckingham Palace to receive it. And, and again, that was another form of validation because my father actually said to me, when you're going into Buckingham Palace, I suppose you did the right thing in joining the police after all, because he wasn't very pleased. Yes, he wasn't happy, yes, I but remember. Yes. Years later, we, we, we reconciled that. And as I said, within two years, he was dead, so I was pleased that, wow. uh, again, I accepted the MBE. But that doesn't define me. I, so many other things, working with young people, in particular through Voyage um, and our Young Leaders for Safer Cities program, and all the work I'm doing, which you can get on the website. Show that, um, you know, I'm not sitting back. I'm just as proactive and um, as active as I have ever been. So I'm busier now than I was mm -hmm. in the Met <laughs> 20, mm -hmm. seven years ago since retirement. Lira, is there an audio version of your book? I'm going to be recording that in the next um, couple of weeks. I've just um, struck a deal with um, um, Amazon through the Audible. Um, I think that, that'll be awesome because, you know, a lot of people... Um, doing the recording, so yes. you've got that. That's an exclusive, so... You know what? It'll make, it'll make a great Father's Day present, you know, for uh, fathers who can't read anymore. Um, I'd love that to be a Father's Day present. That's in June, isn't it? In, yes. Over here, right? Yeah, you have enough time. I, I, don't know when, I don't know when that will be in the States or other parts of the world, but yeah, it'd be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, it's a good idea. I, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll make sure my team are aware of Father's Day and then building up to that because, yeah, I would like to think that by, by Easter, we'll have an audible yeah. version and, um, and then that will precursor to the paperback that comes out after that. Well, thank you so much uh, for your time again, Leroy. No problem, and, and thanks for the invite.
Thank you for listening to our final chapter, which is the journey into Leroy Logan's life. This spectacular special wouldn't have been possible without him. So I'd like to extend my hand of thanks to you, Leroy. We've covered all kinds of issues and movements during these two episodes. And as always, I would love to hear your thoughts on these subjects. So please get in touch at msdelia at deliadelore.com. Although our world may be full of dark times, remember, one small spark can ignite an explosion. One small word can build a chant. And you never know, you could become the next voice of our future. Thanks for listening to Metaphorically Speaking, created by Delia Delore Productions, with original distribution by Colourful Radio. This episode was hosted by Delia Delore and had segments written by Sabina Lalcopra Garcia and Sean Magaladin. Script supervisor is on a web. The show was produced by Sam Colwood with production assistant from Ojua Akasveni. The program was edited by Reese Bridge Robinson and animation and promotional edited by Ernest Deneve. <laughs>